Welcome to High Gluttony. I'm Gretchen. And I'm Becca. And we're two ladies on an adventure. Listen along every 10 days or so as we cook a dish we like. Quest about cannabis education. Or chat with someone we respect. You can find more information about this episode at highgluttony.com. Thanks for joining us, gluttoneers. Off we go. We haven't recorded in a long time. Hello, how are you? What's going I'm good. on? I'm good. Many things, of course, as usual. I started a new batch of Korean pickled garlic because I'm almost Ooh. out of my last batch. What have you been using it for? Every time I make any kind of stir fry, I chop mm. some up and cook some into it. And then usually I chop some up and put it over the top as well as garnish. Ooh, mm. are you noticing a difference in the flavor as it continues to sit? Well, I keep adding things to it. So it's, <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course, you know. like I, I put ginger in it and I added more soy sauce because it wasn't quite soy enough for me. The flavor is evolving. I've added a few things to my new batch, which look how beautiful and blue and green it's coming out. Beautiful. We'll have to post a picture. I, I'll try to describe it, but Gretchen has just a really large flip top sealed mason jar thing. And there's all of these little whole garlic cloves and some of them are really green, almost a blue. And some of them are still really white and it's beautiful. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. I did two thirds with vinegar and then one third water. I added (laughs) ginger to it this time. Your cat? Yeah. Yeah. I added my cat. I'm pickling my cat. (laughs) Secret ingredient. <laughs> pickling your cat. Oh. <laughs> no, we, we don't we don't advise pickling pets here. So it's been really interesting because I just finished this up the other night. I've been trying to get to it for a few days and I peeled it by smashing it with a, a mallet, a kitchen mallet. <laughs> you peeled your garlic by smashing them? I smashed it a little bit. The so whole think, head? The whole head. I started trying to pull it apart and I was like, my hands hurt too much for this. So I was like, Bam, bam, bam. New plan. Attack. I think that might be why they're so blue and green is because all the skins got busted and I smashed the gloves a little bit. Just And also because the flavor will get in there a little bit better. And so I have a few things I'm experimenting with with this batch. So I'm, I'm excited to see how it turns out. But right now it looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> it looks really pretty. What, what has been up with you? You saying that reminds me that I still have my limoncello sitting in my closet and I haven't made any simple syrup or anything. It's still in with the lemon it's rinds and everything. Just lemon vodka at this point. Yeah. Okay. Now I have lemon vodka that maybe eventually I'll put some syrup into, but it's become this really like caramely color, which is pretty. It was a really bright yellow in the beginning. And now it's this really beautiful caramel and I need to take some more pictures of it, but I've been surprised by it. It's been fun to just sit it and forget about it. And then I open the cabinet every once in a while. Look at what you are now. <laughs> fun. But otherwise, I'm deep into puppyhood life, and (laughs) it's amazing and exhausting. And I love right now in this present state of mind, I'll never get a puppy again. (laughs) I'm like so happy to have one. But oh my god, there's so much work. I have decided that we officially need paternity leave for anyone (laughs) who gets an animal. (laughs) 
It is not fair that people with babies get to have all the leave. Also, and and if you have a baby, you should still get time off for your pet because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work in the beginning. It's a lot of work all the time. And anyway, everyone, we should have like a year at least of family leave if you welcome a new member of a human to your family and we should have at least a month of pet leave. I've decided. (laughs) Becca, do be platform 2022. (laughs) All the leaves. (laughs) All the leaves. Yes. I like it. I like it too. Okay, I'll start lobbying. This is going to be the like secondary platform of high gluttony. We're on this. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Oh my gosh. But otherwise, I'm enjoying some vodka and lemonade. It's getting in the 60s again here. So it's feeling nice out and just wanted a little bit of a bright, fun drink. So I'm sipping on some vodka lemonade. What about you? I saw you. Gretchen's had a very fun reaction to this cocktail that she's sipping on right away. So can you tell us a little bit about what you're drinking? I'm still working on my cocktail development for work. We decided to do one called Rocket Cocktail. And so it's a rum rocket. So I did some coffee infused rum. And then I was influenced by another cocktail recipe I'd seen that had orange and cinnamon in it. But they said, you know, use a cinnamon stick. Well, I am out of cinnamon sticks right now. So I decided I just put a little cinnamon on top and that'd be fine. No, <laughs> not okay. Not okay. A little drinking, ground cinnamon, you mean? Yeah, it's like drinking uh, bark. It's <laughs> not pleasant. Did you change anything about it or you're just powering through it as it is? I'm going to power through it at this point. <laughs> Actually, what I should do is just get a straw because that'll help. Because the, the bark Ugh. is on the top. So if I use a straw, <laughs> I could at least break through the layer of bark and oh my get to the beverage. The beverage <laughs> tastes good. It's just a really unpleasant texture. Uh-huh. But it has cinnamon, orange, coffee flavored rum that I infused with, with by using nitrous and then right casually said (laughs) I'm like I poured some lemonade into a jar (laughs) I mean nitrous infused (laughs) Gretchen is extra god I I love it (laughs) I've got ginger beer in there as well so it's got cinnamon a little bit of orange peel and Ginger beer. And coffee? And coffee in the rum, yeah. Wow. Ginger beer and coffee. Okay. Yeah. I'll try it. Wasn't sure I'd like it, but I kind of love it. I wasn't sure about it, but especially with the rum, works really great. A little like a chai? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I mean, in the way that it's like warm and spicy, but not sweet necessarily like a chai. Got it. Okay. Well, what are you smoking while you enjoy your rum rocket recipe development experience? I had a little bit of the end of a joint that I'd been smoking earlier. So I just had a little bit of a blueberry joint. I've been working on rolling my own joints so that I don't have to spend so much money on pre-rolls. Totally. How's it going? That's always an Uh, accomplishment when you can freehand roll a joint. My dad has started rolling the actual papers up on the, the... filters for me and he does a much better job than I do. (laughs) Uh So that has improved. Thanks dad. Who doesn't partake? He just, uh, 
helps he, support. He enjoys all the things around it. So I have a new vape pen that's been exciting to use. It's like I was telling Gretchen, it kind of reminds me of a joint. It's like a small, thinner kind of fits right in your hands like a joint. It feels super classy, but it's uh, called Sunkissed. I've never had it before. It's 77% THC teeny teeny bit of CBD and CBN, which I want to talk to you more about and just in general have a better understanding of. And then uh, terpenaline, caryophylline, and myrcene. I'm really enjoying it. I'm feeling super relaxed, but also kind of energetic. And that could be the sugar in my lemonade, but I'm like ready to go. So Let's keep going. What are we making today that we're also excited about that's fancy, but also not fancy and seems hard, but is maybe not that hard. You and I were both watching a lot of great British Bake Off over the holidays. <laughs> and we had mentioned in a different episode that we'd come across a bunch of recipes for focaccia that took over a day. So we had decided that we could not do it for the podcast because we really weren't into the overnight thing or we hadn't figured it out yet we even went so far as to swap it for parker house rolls right but we both watched great british bake-off over the holidays and they made focaccia in three hours i mean if those amateur experts can do it we can do it (laughs) we are also (laughs) amateur experts well gretchen is i'm just along for the ride. And today I'm absolutely just along for the ride. I'm super excited. So we're making focaccia. We're going to do it in three hours. Absolutely. We do everything in three hours. But what do we know about focaccia? And what? how is it different from other things we've done so far? We've made a couple of things. We've made rolls. We've made naan. How does focaccia d- distinguish itself? And also, why does it seem so intimidating? I mean, I don't think anybody should be that intimidated. It's just a long project as far as it takes time. And some of the recipes were recommending a whole day of fermentation. That's pretty much the extent of it. It's If you can make a bread dough, I'm sure you can make focaccia. So what's cool about focaccia or what's different about focaccia then? So this is an in-between, like an enriched dough versus a lean dough. We have our naan, which was pretty fucking lean. And then we did the pistachio rolls, which was at the extreme end of enriched. This one's going (laughs) to land somewhere in the middle. Enriched meaning? Being a fatty kind of dough. Exclusively enriched with olive oil. So a little bit lighter, different structure, all that good stuff. (laughs) We're back to olive oil. We're just on a kick. It's a major component of the focaccia. We don't really have a choice, but I thought it was interesting. I was reading On Food and Cooking last night and didn't have a lot of information about focaccia. It had had it in a chart. That was the extent of it. (laughs) But it had thrown it into a flatbread category. It's not going to be very thick. I think actually the texture is going to be very similar to when we did the Detroit style pizza. It's going to be really Ah. similar to that dough. Interesting. It's that wetter style. We're baking into the pan. You could definitely turn it into pizza if you wanted to. Yes, please. Actually, I should have looked at the proportions of stuff in that dough versus this dough. And then I could have really said if it was the same or not. But that <laughs> just occurred to me now. So maybe later. <laughs> the name Pakasha comes from the Roman words or Latin, I guess it would be Panis Focaccius. Focaccius? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to say Focaccius, meaning fireplace bread or center bread because Focaccius is focus or center point. Oh, like a focus. Right. Because you're cooking it as 
part of your meal and bread would be cooked at your fireplace would be the center place of your home in the the ancient world. I just thought that was cute. Oh, it's called fireplace bread. <laughs> That's super cute. And you can imagine the smell just radiating throughout the house as people are sitting around the fireplace and getting ready to have dinner. And it just sounds really enticing. It sounds very enticing. (laughs) It is thought to have originated probably with either the Etruscans or the ancient Greeks. Not really sure. There's a lot of random history out there that you can look up. It's kind of like Lemoncello where there's a few different stories. But since we've been making leavened bread for 6,000 years, we can assume the recipe's probably been around for a while. (laughs) Sure. For this, you'd need to be in an area that had olive oil too, at least for the recipe we're making. Yes. (laughs) Early days. Yes. Right. (laughs) So we are actually using a recipe from Paul Hollywood of the Great British Bake Off because his because was a three-hour recipe. <laughs> his was three hours, and we know he has good judgment. We are going to be using 140 milliliters of olive oil plus extra for kneading and to finish. There's a lot of olive oil in this. Mm-hmm. That's about nine and a half tablespoons as compared to 500 grams of strong white bread flour plus extra for dusting. And that's about two cups plus one tablespoon. Then we're going to need 360 milliliters of cool water. Gretchen explained to me that that's basically just not warm. It doesn't have to be a specific cool temperature, but, and that's about 12.2 ounces. We're going to use 10 grams of salt which is almost one and a half teaspoons, 10 grams of instant yeast. And I'm excited because Gretchen's going to talk to us about yeast later. And this is something that's a mystery to me. So I'm looking forward to this. And then we will need just a little bit of fine semolina flour for dusting. This is optional, he says. I did get some. Of course, Gretchen had some. I mean, I'm making that assumption, but of course you did. I'm also making that assumption. I did not check. (laughs) Okay, so we'll we'll both find out. And then in a shocking twist of events, Paul Hollywood did not list out his toppings, including flaky sea salt and dried oregano. So we have added for everyone's edification toppings slash herbs and ingredients. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you are all so welcome. <laughs> You've said that people should not be intimidated by this. And what world level would you say this is? I'm going to slot it firmly in a two just because you have to knead it and you have to be patient while it rises. So as long as you do those things, you're going to be pretty golden, but it's not overly complicated. What do our steps look like? What do our not overly complicated steps look like? So we need to make sure we've got a plastic container to let this rest in that is grease. It has to be pretty big, right? Hollywood said two to three liters, which is, I mean, that's not an enormous container. Okay. It just needs room to rise. Once you see how much 500 grams of flour is, you kind of get an idea. The container I'm using is a 9.6 cups. That's roughly two liters. It's a decent sized container, but it's not enormous. And mine's, I don't know, but it's also not a square but it's just a plastic bucket. The only reason he's saying to make it square is because because this is such a soft dough, we don't want to spend a lot of time 
handling it or having to rearrange it. And so using it from a square container just means you can make, you'll have square pieces of risen dough. But that's pretty much the extent of why it has to be a square container. No one's going to come and be like, you did it wrong if you don't have a square container. So not necessary, but helps you in the long run with this classic shape in particular. Okay. Correct. Okay. So we are first oiling that container. And then what's next on the agenda? We combine our flour, yeast, and salt. Then we are going to add three quarters of our water and part of our olive oil and mix that together gently just to form a real basic dough. May have to add more water or less water. So that's why they're saying starting with three quarters, because if you get three quarters and you get a really wet dough, then you may not need to add any more water. So it's a wait and see situation. And that mixing happens in a bowl. That's not right out the in- freehand. Okay. The initial mixing is in a bowl. So once you start to see that nice dough come together and it's making mostly one big piece, we're going to turn that out onto an oiled countertop or rule pat like I've got. I've got a sill pat. All the pats, all the pats, we're going to, and then we're going to knead it for five to 10 minutes to really develop that gluten and get our bread worked. Then once we've got it soft and elastic and the outside's relatively smooth, we're going to put it into our oiled container and let it rise for an hour. Okay. That's our first rise. That's our first rise. Then once it's doubled in size, it's going to go on our baking tray. The recipe does recommend dividing it. I think Becca is going to end up doing it on one tray just because she's got one big tray and not multiple small ones. Mm -hmm. I have two smaller trays, so I'm going to be dividing mine and putting them into the trays. Then we're going to let that rise again for another hour. Two rises. Once we're done with the second rise, we're going to preheat our oven to 425 degrees. We have to push our fingers into the dough to make little dimples. And then we're going to put Hmm. our toppings on and extra olive oil and then Mm. bake that for 15 minutes. And once it's got a hollow sound, when you lift it out of the pan and tap on it, we're good to go. And you have made focaccia. Ah, I'm so excited. You're right. It sounds fairly simple. It does have quite a few steps, but a lot of that is just letting it rise. We're just going to hang out and relax and keep smoking and drinking. Should we go kick off our actual first steps of focaccia? Let's do it. Can't wait to bake some dough. Are you ready? I've got my... I've got my flour and my yeast and my salt in one bowl. My yeast and salt are on opposite sides of the bowl. This is just to give your yeast a little time to mix in with other things before potentially coming into contact with the salt because the salt will harm and or kill your yeast. I'm going to only put in two thirds of my water since we did check our humidity today, like good little bakers to see where Mm -hmm. we were at. And I've got 70 something percent humidity. So I'm going to start be a little conservative with my water because of that higher humidity level. And I'm at 25%. So a third of where Gretchen's at and a quarter of the possible humidity max. So I'm going to do it all. I'm going to do, I'm going to do the three quarters to start. Not all the four. I'm going to do the full, all the three quarters. Don't ignore Paul Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he knows what he's talking about. Okay. So we don't, we don't mix the flour, the salt and the yeast first. We just pour the water in and start. It says, can you read through actually what the specific step says there? Yes. Add three quarters of the water and 40 milliliters of the olive oil and turn the mixture around with your fingers. Continue to add water a little at a time until you've picked up all the flour from the sides of the bowl. You may not need to add all the water or you may need to add a little more. So this is where our humidity is going to come into play. Use the mixture to... 
clean the inside of the bowl and keep going until the mixture forms a rough dough. Oh my God. Is she okay? She's fine. She's, she's so, so she, talky. She's got her ball. So this mm, is this her is, soccer she, ball thing. Yeah. Hi. Yes. There you are. It does sound like she's in pain. No, she's just <laughs> happy with herself. So are we ready to turn some dough? Let's do it. All right. Three-fourths of our water going in and then 40 milliliters of our olive oil. Here we go. Here we go. So I'm just gently digging into the bottom and pulling it around, turning the dough over. Okay. Yeah. I asked you about this earlier and you said go from the bottom Bottom and and pull up. Yep. Sweep up. And around. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Nice. Ooh, sticky. very textural experience i add more water because i clearly have not overdone it yet and my bowl is not clean i still have loose flour okay is it sticking to you really heavily are you supposed to pull it off if it's sticking to your fingers if you pull it off just because that'll have the stuff that's stuck to your fingers gonna have more moisture in it so you want to move it out and mix it in and we're supposed to be pretty delicate with it I mean, not too delicate. We are going to need it by hand for ah, 10 minutes. So you're right. You're right. Okay. <laughs> Mine's pretty, still, still pretty firm. So I was a little too conservative on the water here. Okay. So it's supposed to be quite wet. So that's probably enough. And I've added all but about a third of a cup of my water. Okay. Mine's really wet. <laughs> Don't add any more water. <laughs> Got it. It's just sticking to my hands right now. And for the most part, my bowl is clean. So I am going to oil my surface over here. How oily? Pretty oily. Pretty oily. I put at least a good tablespoon, maybe a little bit more. Right. So tip it out onto our oiled surface and talk me through the kneading. How are we... So it's, you push it out with the palm of your hand, gather it back up and fold it over, push it out. I'm like turn the it, bottom up to tur- the top yeah. kind of. And if you turn turn it a quarter for the way you folded it. So if you fold it in half towards you and then push out, then turn it a quarter, fold it in half, push out, turn a quarter, fold it in half, push out. And five to 10 minutes. Exactly. So this good, you know, upper body workout. Mine's so wet though. That's fine. I think it's supposed to be pretty wet. Mine might be a smidge on the dry side even. Okay. I think that wet is okay because it is supposed to be pretty wet. Okay. Well, yay. (laughs) (laughs) With other things, when you need them, you add flour, but this one, he was very, he's very specific to say, don't add flour to your surface. Because you want the dough. Just olive oil. Because you want your dough to be wet. It's yeah, be wet it's and loose. Super sticky and wet <laughs> for me. <laughs> I'm pretty much, I think I'm probably in a similar place where dough is probably <laughs> a little wetter than I'd like at the moment. Mine's like almost ricotta-y. <laughs> Mine does look kind of like ricotta. And it's, it's sticking, yeah. A little more olive oil. I'm adding some olive oil to my hands. Ooh, okay. I'll do that too. Rub it around on the put and sill pat, roll pat, or whatever surface you're using. Or the counter. Yeah, I was going to say, can you do it right on a counter? Yeah. I just like being able to pick up, especially something like this. It's got a little bit of some potential stick to it. It's nice to have something silicone. Mm-hmm. So it is easy to clean up. Mm-hmm. But doesn't the oil just get through on the counter anyway? 
What do you mean get through on the counter? Doesn't it like get soaked through the silpat a little bit into the counter? No. Oh. <laughs> Not usually, uh, unless you've got a little bit of moisture on your counter too, but it does, you should, you shouldn't have anything going through your silpat because it's a silic, it's a sealed silicon pad, like that. Okay. Oh, we're supposed to coat the work surface with the remaining oil. <laughs> All of the rest of it? Yeah. I thought it well, was for going no over the top. I kept adding more. <laughs> okay, here we go. I'm going to keep a teeny bit back because I right. have added a lot <laughs> in between. Okay, that. that's fun. Ooh, this is fun. It's Ooh, very I slippery. Yeah, it's like a slip and slide. <laughs> Little focaccia slip and slide. You don't get much slip and slide in your life as an adult. No, and I was always there. scared. <laughs> you were not a slip and slider? No, I don't think I ever did it. Really? Do you like roller coasters? Oh no. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, good. So I'm at five minutes. And since do we you just have, do you have any clumps? Oh yeah. Mine is still okay, okay. pretty ricotta y. <laughs> Looks like my dough has some cellulite. My elbow doesn't like this today. I love kneading dough by hand, but it is not good for my joints. <laughs> I bet. That's such a bummer that you can't enjoy things the way you want to yeah at least this is only five to ten minutes so right hopefully that gives you that satisfaction but not too much exertion yeah I'll just have to do my paraffin dip and beat on myself with my percussion massager later (laughs) just the daily things you have to do to stay on top of it yep 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 so mine's starting to smooth out some I'm looking a bit more like I don't really know more like ricotta than cottage cheese I guess <laughs> okay some change is happening what shape are we looking for here a square or? well we're gonna put in it doesn't really matter what the shape of the dough is while you're kneading it, it, it I see it turns out to be because you're gonna put it in a container and that's gonna start dictating the shape that you've got that's right okay yeah definitely gonna be a 10 minute knead it's fun though because most of the time we've made dough it's been in the mixer so at least yeah. this way we could talk while we're kneading. There was something we made. Did we make a pasta by hand that was yeah. tough? Oh, yeah. I always I always need my pasta by hand for the most part. <laughs> of course. But that was a tough one. I remember kneading and being like, I don't know if I got it. <laughs> well, you're getting better with your doughs. You're getting the feel of it now. My Parker House rolls came out pretty good. Exactly. Yeah. Although honestly, like if I were to make this stuff on my own, I'm not sure if I could do it. I mean, I could do it, but you know, there's got, there's not a lot of drive there to do it. Yeah. I haven't, <laughs> I've rarely made the things we make together a second time. So. I don't blame you. Yeah. I'm inspired by you. I just don't have the, the drive. <laughs> the self-drive yeah for that but I love doing it with you good yeah I'm glad I can make it more fun for you I want it to be a little bit smoother but it still does look like it's got a little cellulite to it mm-hmm. mine's like a well was the it was like a play-doh kind of thing but it wasn't play-doh like a goo kind of thing that's what mine has going on like gak yeah gak that's <laughs> yeah gak <laughs> Oh my god, gack. Weird shit that was part of our childhoods. I know. My gosh. Has yeah, it been uh, how long? Has it been 10 minutes? Almost. We're quite okay. almost there. Okay. Mine's 
smoothed out pretty well. It does still have a little bit of a cellulite thing going on. Okay. Since this is a bit more of a rustic style bread, I don't think you have to have it quite as smooth as something if you were like doing more of a shape loaf. Okay, cool. Mine is still very sticky and very unwieldy. So mine's definitely a dough. Mine should probably be a bit wetter. Mine's like a... Oh, yours is dead. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right on the money with your texture. Okay, because mine feels like a like a burrata. Actually, (laughs) I want cheese. I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) No, I want I want to have focaccia right now so I can eat. I know. Mm. Oh, what toppings are you doing? I don't know if we talked about that. I was just going to do the oregano. I might Mm -hmm. go go out and grab a little bit of rosemary from my garden and chop that up and put it on as well and then I was going to put some garlic through the garlic press and then work that in to sprinkle that over the top cool so garlic and rosemary will be your yeah additional additions and you are doing I'm gonna do garlic also I'm just gonna do oregano although I wanted to do green olives. You and I talked about that before and mm-hmm. I didn't make an effort to see if I had them or order them if I didn't. So I have to look <laughs> for those that might be on there, but I doubt it <laughs> at this point. So we'll be doing pretty similar things, which is kind of rare for us to be doing like it, the same thing. <laughs> it is. It is a little rare. We've actually gone for 11 minutes now. I think mine's good. How's yours looking? Pretty similar to how it was before. It's still sticky. Is it (laughs) elasticy? Can you let it? It's pretty pretty wet. (laughs) Yeah. It's a blob. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You You might be a hair on the wet side, but because it's going to lose a little bit of moisture as it rises, just from the top layer, because we're only covering it with a cloth. Okay. I think that's how you can get it back. And I didn't even use all my water. I did not either. I added, once we started adding more olive oil, I was like, I'm not adding any more water. I mean, <laughs> no more water. I today have the pleasure because my dad and I love trinkets or, you know, <laughs> toys. My dad bought himself a proofing box. And that Gretchen gets to enjoy. That I get to play with. So my dough is going into a proofing box. This is a... <laughs> So I love the name of it because it's Board and Taylor. So it's B-O with a special little line through it, D and Taylor. So it's like Lord and Taylor, like the old store. I don't know if Mm -hmm. you guys had Lord and Taylor's in Vegas when you were growing up, but we did not, but I am familiar. But this keeps (sighs) a consistent temperature. So this is going to be doing it at 91 degrees Fahrenheit. You put a little bit of water in the bottom and it just produces a little bit of heat and a little bit of moisture so that gives you those perfect proofing conditions. Awesome. Try that out today. Is it like the proofing drawer on Great British Bake Off? Similar idea. It's just a a light, like a lightly warm place with extra moisture. I don't know how the proofing drawers work on Great British Bake Off exactly. So I don't know how much like (laughs) if it's just warmth or if it's actually like warmth and moisture that's a part of that. Sure. But yeah, similar idea. One hour on the clock and then we'll be back to do the next steps. So let's talk a little bit about yeast finally after all this other bread we've been making and being like, huh, we didn't know there were different types of yeast, which or, feels really shitty for me because I went to culinary school. I've been curious. You've been surprised what 
like what can what can you tell me about yeast? Let's well, I guess not start at the beginning, but start with the, the one fact that I had not considered but found really interesting is that we really didn't know exactly what yeast was until 150 years ago. Hmm. Because that's when Louis Pasteur was discovering bacteria and developed pasteurization. So that's not to say people weren't using them. It's just we didn't have an understanding of how it affected things. Or what it like exactly what it was. Because okay. the word yeast has been used throughout pretty much the entirety of human history. Like, or, you know, whatever language version of it. Obviously not the exact word yeast that's developed. But it usually referred to the froth that came off of a fermenting, usually alcoholic beverage, or the sediment from that that could be collected and then used in bread as leavening. So they, they knew it was doing something and that you needed it to get the dough to work, but they didn't exactly know 100% what was going on. It's shocking anything happened until recently. <laughs> like, just thinking too about what we learned with Fanny Farmer and how so many recipes were based on what individual chefs or cooks had in their homes. And yeah. so how do how, like people being like, well, we know we need this byproduct of this thing that we do over here to make this other thing. And just the fact that everything came together, <laughs> it worked and it's just incredible. There's also ye just yeast hanging out everywhere. So there are like natural yeasts and natural yeast leaven breads. It's just that concentration is much lower. So you don't get as much leavening. So it's, it's more like you're concentrating the yeast to get more of a rise or more of that desirable effect. So it is really interesting that people over time figured out, ah, if I add this byproduct from brewing, I can make my, my bread go better, you know? Right. It's a, humans are amazing. <laughs> and leavened bread, we've been eating that for at least 6,000 years. So we've known about leavening agents for a long time, mostly yeast, chemical stuff is sort of a, a later invention, discovery, I don't know. <laughs> that awareness has been around for a long, long time. It's just the actual like definition of yeast and its impact that's been in the last century and a half or so. Well, that we found out that they are a group of microscopic single-celled fungi. They are a fungus. What? They're a mushroom? Yes. They're related what? to mushrooms. Yeah. I didn't realize what? that. <laughs> what? I, knew were, I knew they were an organism, but I did not realize that they were a fungus, you know, in the fungus family. I was like, mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> there are a hundred different species that are, are known. So there might be more. Yeah. We just don't know about them. And most of the time, if you're talking about a brewery or bread yeast, the species is Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Pronunciation may not be 100% <laughs> on that. But that actual name that I may or may not have pronounced correctly means <laughs> brewer's sugar fungus, which I was like, that's cool too. I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeast is brewer's sugar fungus. Yep. It sounds super unappealing. I see why they went with yeah. yeast. <laughs> yeast. <laughs> yeast is... More succinct at the very least. But yeah, most people aren't going, yeah, I want to eat fungus. Give me that sugar fungus. 
But I can also see why, like, where the name comes from a bit, because the way yeast is produced now is that it's usually grown in these huge tanks on molasses. So they just feed it a bunch of molasses to get it to reproduce and do its thing and then harvest it and do what they will with it. Wait, what? Wait, okay, wait. Like, how does this work? So the actual on top of us. Yeah, it grows on top of molasses. So like they have like these huge vats of molasses that they inoculate with a small amount of yeast. And then the yeast will feed on the molasses and reproduce and produce, you know, produce, produce, produce. And then you harvest off the yeast and then it it gets turned into three, the three most common forms you can find the yeast in after it's harvested. Part of this, I I also am making the assumption as that they have it inoculated and then they just feed it. So it's like a sourdough starter. If anyone had done that during quarantine, I know we, or ginger beer. Anything yeah. that has the like mother starter thing. Right. And, and mothers are generally, well, they're bacteria. So it's a little, it's a little bit different. But what, what's the originator? How do you get that first starter? Cause you can grow it from there. You can pull pieces of it from there and make your own. But how do you, what do you, what do you start with? What, what is it? Where does yeast come from naturally? I can't answer that question. I don't know. It's a mushroom. (laughs) It's a mushroom. (laughs) It's a mushroom. You find it in mushroom stuff. (laughs) I know you get for the grocery store, Becca. That's all you need. I know, but when we have our compound, how are we going to make get our own yeast if we're like in the middle of nowhere? Where's our? We'll just grow it. Well, yeah, but what is it? We'll just have to make sure we have at least a packet of yeast to grow our stuff from. You're right. But it's, okay. It's, it's really, if you're doing like home bread making, if we were in the apocalypse times and I was feeling the need to create my own yeast, the, the easiest way to do it is to do something like a sourdough starter where you're feeding something to produce that yeast naturally. Because that's what, what most sour bread starters are. If you don't start it with yeast from a store, you can just like, leave a sourdough starter on your counter and it'll pull in the yeast from the air and other like and the surfaces like yeast is everywhere okay so when you do something like sourdough and the reason that like sourdough from the san francisco bay area tastes so different is the type of yeast that grows here naturally in the air because of salt or just i don't know (laughs) okay okay i I don't know the term determining factors but it's a special yeast that's why like like so that's why san francisco sourdough is like its own like fancy thing you said there's three common types that you can purchase okay okay so there's cake yeast I've only used this in professional kitchens. I've never really looked for it at like a grocery store. But the reason I don't think you see it there very often is that it only lasts a week or two and then it dies. So it's it's very fresh, but I've only ever used it in re- restaurants. So Does it look the same as the other geese? It's a similar color, but it's actually like it, it comes in a block. Hmm. So it's a block of yeast and it, cr- it crumbs apart. It's not real hard. Like a tofu? Almost. Yeah. But it's not, it doesn't hold together like a tofu does. It's much more crumbly. So it's a little bit drier. It's not as much of a uniform block, but it is a block and it's putty like almost. So if you had put active dry yeast, let's say with a little bit of water, just a small amount and mixed it up and let that turn into a paste, it would be a similar texture, but not very common for home use. You're going to usually find active dry or instant dry yeast. Active dry or instant dry. 
which I've confused. Yes, we've both confused this, <laughs> which is why I was like, we should talk about yeast so we know what, what we're talking this? about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's going on with yeast? What's active so, dry then? Active dry has been around a lot longer. So they've been, that's been a much more available product. Whereas instant dry yeast was only developed, I think in the 1970s, if I'm remembering correctly from my reading. Hmm. Okay. And the active dry is, a de- it's dehydrated to a certain extent. And then it has yeast byproducts that completely coat the outside of the yeast cell. And okay. it makes an impermeable layer around the yeast. So, so it's those little balls. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, an instant dry yeast looks very similar, which is why I don't think I had put together that they're two different things because I assumed <laughs> they were the same. So active dry yeast, because it has this harder coating on the outside, it, you have to rehydrate it in water first. So when you come across yet recipes where it's like, put it in water and let it start foaming, that's, that's usually act- active. That's active dry. dry yeast. Is the active then an indicator of the fact that it needs to be activated? I don't know where the names. There's came no from. way to distinguish. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I didn't. Okay. I didn't get that deep into it. I only looked in, <laughs> on food and cooking, so I really have like mm, a little bit of knowledge, <laughs> but, but more than, I, more had than I had. Yeah, it's way more than I had. It's, so. And I figured it was enough. Once I'd written a whole paragraph, I was like, "That's enough for now." All right. So active dry has to be rehydrated. Correct. Okay. But instant dry. They developed a technique where they could put a more permeable layer around the yeast cells. That so that outer you, layer? Yeah. So it's not as thick as the active dry. So you don't need something to rehydrate that outer layer in order to make the yeast work as quickly. So why would you ever specifically need active dry? Well, I don't know. The, this one answer via a Kugel is that instant yeast has more live cells than active dry yeast. I, I can't really say there's a good reason to use active dry versus instant. The application seems to be interchangeable. You just need to know how to handle it first. I imagine you've already thought of this, but it makes me think about our pistachio rolls because oh, yeah. there was a huge difference in that. And I wonder if we'd known this, would we have approached it differently? Do you think? Well, now we know it, we will be approaching it differently going forward. Well, that's, <laughs> I mean, for sure. But if a recipe calls for active dry and says you have to hydrate it, could you substitute the instant dry and just not add that wa- that liquid? Yes, you can interchange them. So interesting. It. So interesting because it still feels like it will make a big difference though. Clearly it did. It has for us too. So yeah, I, so it, yeah, it just means that when we were making our pistachio rolls, number one, I discovered the yeast I was actually using is a super slow rise yeast. So that was problem number one with that Mm. yeast, but it was an active dry yeast, which we should have been, I should have been rehydrating beforehand. So we, yeah, we would have treated it differently had we realized what we were using versus what the recipe called for. Mm-hmm. Had I known this information at that point and mm-hmm. paid attention to what type of yeast. Mm-hmm. Right. Also, I know that there is an, a rapid rise instant. It's the same as instant. There's is no it? real. Because I thought that was my problem with pistachio rolls because I think she specified don't use like a rapid. Rapid rise. 
And maybe that's even just more a slightly more permeable shell around the yeast. Can you rehydrate the active dry with any liquid? Could it be like broth or does it need to be water? And does that make a difference? You wouldn't want to use anything with a lot of salt would be your number one concern. You can do it. I've done it in milk, but I think water is just better because water is the best for hydration. It's neutral. Okay. So you wouldn't want to use alcohol because that's going to kill your yeast or anything with too much salt in it because that will inhibit your yeast or anything too sweet because apparently you can overfeed them and they will go. (laughs) Delicate little things. Yeast is weird. Yeast is really weird. Yes. Like it. And it's most happy at 95 degrees. That would be the sweet spot. We are doing our pistachio rolls. We probably weren't making sure that our environment was warm enough. So we got kicked in the face there. I think those are the, the highlights. And yeah, so they are actually interchangeable. And if you just need to know that there are two different things and make sure you treat them right. Oh my gosh. Okay. I love it. That was interesting. I'm just fascinated by the fact that they're related to mushrooms. Yeah, that was interesting. (laughs) Oh, Oh, you're clever. (laughs) (laughs) I love love puns so much. (laughs) Me too. That's the reason we get along so well. No kidding. Our dough is looking nicely risen. It's been about an hour or something. You won't be surprised to learn we didn't set a timer. So we're just guesstimating it's been about an hour. Gretchen has been checking the size and now we've decided. Yeah, we've decided to go forward. So what are we looking at for next steps then, Gretchen? Now that we've risen, doubled in size, we are going to remove our dough very gently from its plastic containers and put it back on our oiled surface. I'm going to divide my dough into two pieces and then put it on one of each of those baking trays that have been lined with parchment paper and have olive oil in them already. And then we are going to stretch our dough out into our pan. More and more olive oil. Yes. Bring it on. (laughs) This is also when we dust with semolina. So it's a little olive oil on the, the surface and the semolina. So we take it out gently stretch it out on one or two pans or three or a hundred, whatever you're doing. So stretch and, and, and sort of put into shape and ideally kind of a rectangle. Correct. So square-ish rectangle kind of thing. I seen round focaccia, like it doesn't really Whatever you are. <laughs> the next step is to cover it with a plastic bag, technically. That is the suggested Paul Hollywood's method is to cover it with a plastic bag. We're just going to put put a little like layer of plastic wrap over ours because neither one of us really has plastic bag. <laughs> Not big enough for that. What? <laughs> What's running around the UK with these giant plastic bags? <laughs> like What? If you've ever seen the turkey roasting bags. Oh, like the big. Yeah. Kind of bag well, they're like a plastic. Like uh... Plastic bag. I was like, yeah, what, what, where would you get one of those? But that would be something that probably would be big enough to go over like your, your half sheet pan for proofing. So that would be a good thing to have around. So once it's stretched out and shaped, and before we put it in that plastic bag, we dust, we cover the top just a little bit with semolina, just kind of like sprinkle it on top. Nope. Just underneath when you're, oh, 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 before you put it down. Uh Uh-huh. Because you're putting the semolina on your work surface before you divide it. So you could put a little olive oil 
because you're just going to tip your dough out onto your pan. All right. So I should oil and then semolina dust before I tip my dough out. Right. Also the tipping of the dough. I get it. That's, I get it because it's supposed to be gentle. It's just funny to keep saying, <laughs> tip your so- dough out. I'm preparing my work surface over here with the requested olive oil and semolina. I will follow suit. Oh my God, I'm really excited. (laughs) And I'm going to go get my dough. I'm only going to be able to fit one of my pans into the proofer here. So the other one's just going to get covered and put on the counter. Right. And we're just kind of like spreading that oil around. Definitely get some on the sides as well. I don't know if yours will get all the way over to the sides because you're using one big pan as much as you a much as much surface area as you can get right okay and then some semolina oh my gosh this is my first time using semolina feels like it doesn't make a huge difference but that's okay I'm excited nonetheless to be using it (laughs) it is exciting (laughs) thank you thank you (laughs) a little dusting (laughs) okay go tip Tip, tip, tipping. Oh, it's beautifully falling out. It just looks like a little pillow, like a cloud. I'm going to cut mine in half. You know, I should have used as a pizza cutter. Would have been a really good idea. Oh, and it looks like you're just shaping it out to fit the shape of that pan. Right, exactly. That's pretty much the whole point. I'm going to go. Okay, go for it. Go for it. Get it, get it, get it. Coming out all smooth. It's like a little like weird noodle alien. The noodle alien. That is what we've got going on over here. It feels all uh, bubbly. Mine definitely is lovely and full of air. We're in the right place here. Yay. This is when we do want to be gentle, right? Because we don't right. want to get rid of, a lot of, rid of a lot of that air. Right. You just okay. want to stretch as gently as possible as far as you can get it. Mm, it smells like fermentation. Mm-hmm. Um, I want ginger beer. (laughs) (laughs) So is there such a thing as too much olive oil with your focaccia? (laughs) I'm sure there is, but I don't know when you hit that point. (laughs) My one in one in the box. Okay. I actually do have a two gallon Ziploc bag that will fit my other tray. (laughs) Of course. Okay. So as always, Gretchen's well-prepared and I am just going to cover with a light lining of uh, plastic wrap. Plastic wrap. wrap. We can clean up our workstation on the counter now. And I'm going to put an hour on the clock. So we've got our ovens preheating to 425 degrees. We are down to the last three minutes of our proofing time. So that was our second price. So our Mm -hmm. second hour of rise time goes very fast. We've got our toppings all together here for topping things. (laughs) So we are going to, oh, so we have to double check that it springs back quickly if you prod it lightly with your finger. So let's go give our doughs a poke. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Give your dough a poke. Mine came with me a a little bit. Spraying back, you mean? Well, it stuck to my finger. I think mine's okay. It's not springing back quite as quickly as I want, but I might be having unrealistic expectations. So we are going to get our dough out and we are going to dimple deeply into the dough. So we are like sinking our fingertips into the dough to make dimples. Okay. And we're both using pressed garlic. Are we pushing that in at the same time? No, I'd probably leave it more along the top just so that it cooks a little more evenly. We've got a quick cook going on here. So the long, like the further into the bread it is, of course, it's kind of up to your taste. 
Some people like raw garlic. Some people like more cooked. So if you want some like variation, maybe sprinkle it over the top and then dimple. And you can okay. kind of get some pushed in and cool. It's what you make it. When you start making your own food, you can do whatever the fuck you want to it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. No one can stop you. Oh yeah. Push all the way through to the bottom of the pan. And then we are going to drizzle with olive oil and sprinkle with our toppings. Okay. And then we are going to bake for 15 minutes. So we are and really cruising along here. I'm ready. I what if it if... makes little holes? I think that's okay. Okay. I did dip my hands in a little olive oil just because it was so sticky. sticky. Probably smart. Yours is probably slightly softer than mine. I'd poke all the way through. My garlic is kind of sticking together. I'm going to mix my garlic with a little bit of olive oil. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm just going to mix everything together here. And then I'll just sprinkle with some salt at the end. So we got a little dried oregano. And I did some fresh rosemary. I'm just mm. going to stir this around here. And I'm going to flick it on. <laughs> yeah. The finger dippling is what you call docking, which makes okay. it so that it'll rise more evenly. It allows some gas to escape. So it won't poof quite so much. I see. They did that in the Christopher uh, Kimball thing, the Fanny Farmer meal creation, right? They were docking something, yeah. Yeah, one of the rolls like wasn't puffing. Oh, yes. They were doing the thing with the um, the puff pastry. Yeah, uh, they were frying. Yes. And yes, yeah, they had to do a little bit of a to it. Forget what mm-hmm. exactly they did, but and oregano. I'm so excited. Drizzled my olive oil over, and now there's like all this little dimples are filled with olive oil. Mine. Uh, oh, beautiful! Look how gorgeous that is. Thank you. I'm almost ready. My oven's about to hit the the temperature. Oh, and I'm gonna put it right in on my baking stone. My dad's been baking bread this week, so the stone is predominantly placed in the middle of the oven. Okay, here we go. (laughs) 15 minutes. Oh my gosh, forgot you all the way. So we are rounding the end, the the curve. What? The last bend. We're rounding the last bend on our fricasha. The bell end curve. You do know a bell end is a penis, right? What? No. What? I'm pretty sure bell end slang for penis in the It is. I didn't know that. <laughs> it's yeah, I knew it's, knob was. Bell end yeah. is too. It's it's a vulgar slang from Britain. It's the top of the penis. Oh well. So it's like the, the end British of the penis. Listener. Yeah. <laughs> Wake up. So we're reaching the head of the penis of our gosh baking. <laughs> Just a few minutes on the tip there. And I mean clock. <laughs> Oh, mine are not very brown yet. They're quite pale. I'm going to turn them around. Although my garlic looks good. I maybe wish I had shoved it in a little bit. Maybe I underestimated the ability of the garlic cook. Mine's very thin. Paul Hollywood would probably give me a too thin. We'll see. Okay, let's see what's going on here. I'm going to turn it. It's very pretty. Yeah, the garlic's getting crispy. Yeah, I'm hoping for some nice browning on top. But it does look very focaccia-like, so at least there's that. How thick is yours? Not very thick. Okay. Probably an inch and a half at the highest point. So it's definitely flat. (laughs) How would we have gotten it thicker? Smaller pan. Oh. Not spread it out as much. Okay. I was hoping mine would fill the pan a little bit more, but no, not quite. I see. I think I might pull mine. Even though it's okay. not like super browned on the top, it feels 
crisp on the top. Well, make sure you flip it over and tap it. Okay, no, not ready. A few more minutes. We're at 17 minutes right now, total cooking time. Okay, I'm checking the bottom again. Mine is not close. Because we're round, we've just rounded 20 minutes. I feel like mine's done. Is it go, getting kind of crispy along the bottom? Is it getting Yeah, and there's like one edge that's getting pretty dark. So okay. I pulled it because I don't want that thin edge to burn. Almost 25 minutes. My goodness. Brown bread, fester, brown, get brown. Doing the bake-off plot, bread watch. Squat. Doing the squat. Not brown enough. <laughs> It's not ready. It's not ready. It's not ready. Ah, it's ready. It's ready. Yeah. <laughs> Cranked up the heat. It's not cooking like I like. Come on, bread. I've got shit to do. So I'm up to getting to 30 minutes now. I don't know if I should just pull it and say, just go with it because I feel like it's too long. <laughs> like, regardless. Right. That it might, yeah, I might just be drying it out and not that there's no, <laughs> there's no hope now gotta oh. pull it <laughs> it's done okay it's done I'm done i think i'd probably put it at three to 450 though to start 450 just time. To kick it off yeah mm-hmm. or check the t- actual temperature of my oven because maybe my oven wasn't <laughs> warm enough sure that too so we're gonna let these cool off a little bit and come back and give them a taste test in a bit okay i'm so excited you know i can hardly I wait. eat it right now i'm so right? hungry i know oh my god okay <laughs> soon soon Okay, we got this. We can do this. An exercise in patience. An exercise in focaccia. <laughs> so let's get into this focaccia. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. Okay, here we go. Ooh. Oh, this is nice. Okay, show me Cut. yours. Mm. Oh, yeah. See? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yours is Perfect. thicker than mine. But Mo- yeah, just a bit. Similar but. holes. Similar holes. Similar color on the bottom. Color on the bottom. Yeah. So. Ah, well, we've mastered it. Hello, we're experts. Mmm. <laughs> mmm. Oh, I forgot to put more olive oil on it. Shit. That's really good. Mm. I probably should have pressed the, the garlic in. You think so? Mm-hmm. This is a little overdone. Mm-hmm. Crispy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. It need, needs more salt, but. I agree. Mm. I wish I put a little more oregano. Yeah. Mmm. That's so good, though. Mm. Yeah. And not hard. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So what do you think? What world level? Two. Two. Great. Yeah. Two. Maybe this will be something you actually make again. I really might actually. Because it like- is nice. It's like nice the way that um, making caramelized or granulated caramel is nice that you can go, oh, you can like walk away for a significant amount of time and do other right. stuff or relax right. or whatever, you know? It is good like that. All right. Kasha, success. I'm chewing. Yes. Success. <laughs> Delicious success. Delicious, delicious success. (laughs) So you can check us out on all social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook. And we have a YouTube channel with a couple of videos there. (laughs) But uh, like and subscribe, especially to the podcast. Podcast. To the podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Tell a friend, tell your mom, tell everyone you know. And thanks for joining us, Buttoners. Off we go. Off we go. The end. Bye-bye.